When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Not Is Nostalgia podcast is sponsored by the Teammates app, a football quiz like no other. Climb the divisions, win the league, win the cups, all by linking 11 players by association. Whether you're old or you're young, Teammates has both a modern and a vintage mode to suit your skill set. It's teammates. Look for the red and white ball on the App Store. Oh, and I've heard they've got some shirts coming out and there's some more quizzes coming out online too. But keep that under your hat. Welcome to the Not Is Nostalgia podcast. Each week, my esteemed pal AJ Alex Rhodes in his see-through Brexit Umbro today with a virtual background of what we're going to be talking about. And I, Jake Doyle, in my white shirt and El Bombonera behind me, hop into our football time machine and to 2000 select a footballing moment of the time to pick the bones of. Today we're going to be looking at Porto's Champions League win in 2004, a campaign that kicked off 17 years ago today. But first, we've got a famous team talk to talk about and one that took place on the pitch. Yeah, so Hull City, the Tigers and their amazing manager, Phil Brown. Amazing, probably a nine of football in sense, but the living embodiment of orange and brown with his um, suspicious tan and black hair. Um, so it matched Hull City well. Hull came with a bang, didn't they, to be fair. Started really well that season. Um, yeah, and right, really rode that wave of excitement when you first go up into the Premier League. We see a few teams do it, but Hull probably did it like no one else. But it all came crashing down to a halt. Playing, struggling Man City, 4-0 down at half-time. Phil Brown pulled his team onto the pitch in what is an immense power move of a half-time team talk right in front of your fans. I mean, to me, great moment. Obviously, Jimmy Bullard later on in the later game takes a piss and Phil Brown takes it well. To be fair, he handles the banner well. So oh, yeah, the actual really moment is. itself is pretty iconic. I don't think I've seen anything like it since or before that. It probably has happened somewhere. I mean, there's crazy stuff that happens around the world in lesser leagues, like people run on to pitch with guns in Greece and shit like that but yeah, yeah. for English football this is pretty uh, dramatic 4-0 down with like I say at half time and to be fair they went 
went on to the second half and drew it one all. So did it work? Maybe it did, but it obviously didn't do it again. It's one of those where it's like it's such a big scoreline that you, the winning team don't really try. I mean, Felipe Casado scored two goals in this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how bad Hull were. Yeah. And kind of how, well, not bad Man City were, but it was definitely an unrecognisable Man City compared to now. Albeit still had Rubinho, so we'd still kind of had those trickles of wealth come into the team and make somewhat as an impact, but obviously nothing on the same scale. To me, I think what actually changed the game was Dean Windass being subbed off. Um, <laughs> if we were honest, let's never start it. In a positive or a negative for Hull? <laughs> well, positive for Scarline, negative <laughs> for Dean Windass fans who wanted him to do well this season, to be fair, because they were yeah. amongst them too. I think Dean Windass must be the only player to, without playing football, cause quite a bit of controversy about him kicking a ball in the season. So obviously before this game, he'd come on, he'd scored a dubious goal, which he like campaigned to get for against a dubious goals panel. So he had one sub-goal coming into this game already, but obviously he'd had that incident with Marlon King in a Scarborough casino where he'd been headbutted. <laughs> so his name would definitely off the pitch in this season rather than on it for Hull which oh. is a shame looking at you know he got him up arguably with that amazing goal in play final so yeah I agree he's one of those well he, he played for Bradford for a bit in the top flight I'm talking about and then he had a spell at Middlesbrough didn't he and then he was gone for a while yeah, yeah. he never really had a, a long sort of term in the top flight really and getting the winning goal against Bristol City in that play final as you say Hull I mean I was excited by Hull at the start they want yeah. They weren't really supposed to do anything. They were supposed to go straight back down. I mean, to put it into context, when Arsenal went unbeaten in the 2003-04 season, Hull were in League 2, or the equivalent of League 2. And six games into this season, they beat them 2-1 at the Emirates. Giovanni yeah. there, um, scoring an absolute belter. Yeah. Um, it was the first top flight, yeah, it's the first top flight season. They'd beaten the likes of Spurs, West Ham away. They loved going to London for some reason. They got to draw at yeah, Anfield. Yeah. I mean, they beat, uh, they drew at home to City in the reverse of this fixture. And, um, then it just, they even scored three at Old Trafford in a crazy game. I mean, I remember when yeah, they yeah. had that sort of Kojak haircut in that one, um, or lack of haircut really. Oh, God, yeah. Scored three at Old Trafford at a time when they were English champions, European champions. They were sixth halfway through the season. Looked destined to sort of mid-table Europe and then it just sort of... This game sort of was the the uh, watershed for yeah good Hull City and then shocking Hull City because then they... The reality check. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, they got beat 5-0 off um, Wigan. And yeah. it was sort of like, oh, well, this is going to be it now. We're just going to get absolutely pumped every week, week in, week out. And they just, they would then go down in 2010, where they were arguably one of the worst teams in Premier League history, really. Well, when you look at the squad, I think it's less surprising that they struggled rather than did well, because it's not an amazing squad by any means at all, is it? Well, Ian Ashby there, <laughs> you can see yeah, a lot of a lot of men way past the best. Obviously, Dick Windass being a big one of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the team as a whole, looking at it now, like was, I mean, Manucho <laughs> kept them up, arguably. So they relied on a complete reject from Man United. 
but yeah, I mean, apart from, I mean, it is tough, but I'd say Jimmy Bullard, genuine yeah. quality, Kevin Kilban, Paul Bliss, still decent. Giovino and uh, not Giovino, Giovanni. George Boateng. George Boateng still had something, but apart from that, yeah, and Giovanni, apart from that, it's it's not a good team. It's not. And if I told you they were in the Premier League in 2013, 14 and 2016, would you believe me? Because <laughs> that's well, those yeah. seasons they seem to just... They survived again in 2013, 14 season, but they're just one of these teams that if they do if they do get into the Premier League, they're either destined to fail or scrape a survival place. I mean, this season, the first season, started so well. Um, they were eight points behind the league leaders in December. So, I mean, they were doing really well. And then they needed favours off Aston Villa on the final day because they were going into a tie against Man United. They lost it, that Darren Gibson goal. And they needed a Damien Duffon goal for Newcastle at Villa to yeah. keep to stay up. Middlesbrough obviously yeah. went down, a young Gareth Southgate managing them as well. So I would say my question is, have a club fallen so quickly after starting so well in the top five? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. I mean, we hinted earlier, like teams come up do well, sort of that excitement, that new season, new promotion bounce, if you want to call it. But, I mean, most of them die off and Hull died off the most. But I think, like I say, it was a, it was more of a surprise for me that they even had those early successes because the team yeah. was bad. But, I mean, does this say, like I'm guessing you pretty much hate him, but does it say Phil Brown... <laughs> There's something there that, that you know is some sort of motivator. Or, I mean, you do you do hear some stories like Kevin Kilban said he once said, "I can't believe you're not playing well for me. I'm the future England manager." So you know this is where this man's head at. You know he's, he's got an ego. There's no doubt about that. But the, and the fact that he kind of laughed when this moment was mocked by Bullard. Does that show he kind of knows is a bit of a joke? Maybe I think it does, but... He's sort of on the same same ilk as um, Sam Allardyce, where, oh, but without the success, obviously. I mean, Sam Allardyce barely had success, but you know he's sort of like of the same mould. He, like, he, he's a motivator, really. Um, yeah. Not really good tactician, so to speak. Um, well, what is perceived to be anyway. Um, and yeah, he's, he's spent quite a lot of his time, managerial career, in the Football League. I mean... When we were doing the podcast uh, back in the day a few years ago, um, he was technical director at Southend or something, or on and off manager at Southend either way. Um, yeah, he's not really, he wasn't, I won't put him in the category of future England manager or even a rung below. I don't know what he was But he's, what would um, y'all be your most hated slash Sort of, yeah, you must hate Premier League clubs, sort of, in terms of fresh new teams are exciting. So, like yeah. this year, we've got Leeds coming up, um, less so West Brom and Fulham. I mean, yo yo clubs, a, a bit yeah. for me, they piss me off because you've got West Brom, who I know what you mean, yeah, who for like the better half of 20 years have just gone up and down, up and down. Cardiff, QPR, Norwich done the same thing. Um, clubs out stay the welcome as well, they annoy me. Bournemouth. Watford this season. Leicester did it back in the day. Derby did as well. Coventry, big time, did it in the uh, early 2000s. And then teams who offer promise but do absolutely nothing with it, like West Ham currently, or, that have done for the past 
five, yeah. six years. And what would your most sort of yeah. resented oh, teams be in the top flight? It's tough. I mean, you've mentioned a few there. I think you're a bit more harsh on me when it comes to this. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of this, so I do like to see a small team do well. But, I mean, arguably, hope. I mean, if they keep cutting back up, you've got to say <laughs> that they kind of uh, they stink it out a little bit. Um, Norwich, I'd, yeah, Norwich are probably down there for me. And I've only just started coming around to Brighton. Like for ages, I didn't want anything to do with Brighton. But yeah, I get you. I mean, with, with Graham Potter, and they've got some decent players actually. Um, so I think I'm coming around to Brighton. But Brighton, probably, if you asked me a year ago, I would not have said them. Because it's top half this season. <laughs> Obviously, teams like West Ham, I think, yeah. the Premier League clubs. But oh, yeah, <laughs> big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big clubs, you could say. You don't well, really know why you say these <laughs> things, but. Well, they just annoy me. West Ham. I agree. Yeah, because they could be in the top half every season. They've yeah. got yeah, I mean, fan base, stadium, you know. I mean, obviously got so money. When we, if we go back to Phil Brown and his egotism, like, obviously I do get a feeling that you don't like this type of person, <laughs> never mind football <laughs> manager. But I think some, do you think it's right. ever successful or do you think you need to be successful first or simultaneously so for me like the obvious one is uh, Clough obviously being a great talker and usually did it I mean when you look at his whole career he wasn't a winner every season but he was known as is, and still is and it should be known as one of the greatest managers of all time but also probably one of the greatest shit talkers of all time too <laughs> yeah well the difference between Phil Brown and Brian Clough if they didn't have um a world-class assistant manager in uh, Peter Taylor, like Clough did. And what, since yeah, yeah. there's a pretty big drop-off point from when he when Peter Taylor sort of leaves him and goes to Derby, back to Derby yeah. as a manager, um, and then he didn't win any more league titles anymore, European Cups, obviously. Um, only won a couple of League Cups after that, never won the FA Cup, obviously. Um, and teams like, I think it's more... Um, of a managerial team that you need. So like Liverpool in the seventies had Bill Shankly, Bob Paisley and Joe Fagan in one setup. And then they'd obviously as a unit, Shankly wouldn't win a European cup with them, but they together they would win four of Liverpool's six and counting now through Paisley and Fagan. So, I mean, you do need a team. It's not just one man, but yeah. Phil Brown. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't like him. <laughs> Phil Brown, Alan Pardew, yeah, they just love themselves a bit. Pardew and Pardew almost got there with Newcastle, and he got yeah. Palace to a final. I mean, Allardyce had put in that same bracket, but he was a bit more. He had, I think, he had a bit of knowledge. I think he was more op- open to modern technologies and modern ways of methods of doing things, more so than he would yeah, yeah. probably. Probably perceived people perceived yeah, him to be, yeah, and I think he, I think he liked that perception of him because then he could then do that, you know, Mourinho slagging him off about yeah. playing 19th century football and all yeah, this, yeah. and it, so he, he did he could do like a a game plan, and he, he wasn't just like a Mister Motivator, you know, like 70s, 80s, 90s manager where it's you know he did have that nutritional side, the tactician side, whereas Phil Brown, no. <laughs> Yeah, I think be be successful first, 
I mean, obviously had some success, got Hull there in the first place. Yeah, well, yeah. And let, let's be honest, if he keeps going, he'll probably get a few more teams promoted before he retires. But, yeah, mm. I mean, <laughs> chill out a bit. So. <laughs> yeah, I agree. On this day, 17 years ago, Porto started there. 2003 Champions League campaign. They hadn't won the uh, hadn't won the tournament since 1987, and even that then that was a um, a big shock against Bayern Munich with two late goals. So in 2003, they had the team of Vito Bayo, Paulo Ferreira, George Costa, Ricardo Cavallo, Nuno Valente, Costinha, Pedro Mendes, Maniche, Deco, Carlos Alberto, not that one obviously, Derlei, Benny McCarthy, and. After the 2003 UEFA Cup triumph over Celtic, they would then go on better and win the Champions League. They started it all, though, with a draw in Belgrade, a one-all, but then would lose to Real Madrid 3-1. And before grinding out wins against Marseille and confirmed a place in knockouts with a 2-1 win against Partizan Belgrade in the return fixture on match day five. And they were on the brink of going out in the second round to much-fancy Manchester United, although... They were probably favourites, were United at that point, and Costinha, 90th minute goal, touchline sprint, now iconic touchline sprint from Jose Mourinho, and the likes of Deco, Carvalho, Manish. Porter's probably star players at the time, alongside Carvalho, alongside Ferreira, sorry, all come good in a 4 2 quarter final win over Leon, and went back to grinding out wins, a 1 0 win over Deportivo to confirm a, another Champions League final. Jose Mourinho at the young age of 41, back all back back in the day, reaching the peak of the mountain. And it would have been a treble win for Porto that season, but a Tassa de Portugal loss, a 2-1 defeat to Benfica 10 days prior stopped that. Now, obviously, Mourinho would leave. The big players would leave that summer. Three of them, Carvalho, Ferreira, both to Chelsea, Deco to Barcelona. Manish would follow eventually. Are Porto the last great underdog team to win the Champions League? For me, I think definitely, yeah. Um, there, there was a few, you know, before the turn of the century and around that time, I think that probably contend with that a little bit. But since then, you've got to say it's been been the big boys who've won it. And Porto and Mourinho, you could even argue it's his greatest achievement still, to be fair. I think, I mean, like you say, those players, you look at that team now and you're like, yeah, great team, some really good players there. Good players like Manish as well, who people probably forget about these days, but he was absolute class. Um, but yeah, at the time, household names had became by winning the Champions League, didn't they? So yeah, oh yeah, and um, I'd probably put them alongside Liverpool. Could arguably be named underdogs since they were the, the fourth or fifth best team in England at the time, but. It's the history that counts from in that respect, you know, even yeah. though they were playing a great AC Milan side. Porto didn't have necessarily have that great history in Europe. You know, that, that one European Cup triumph in 87, um, which probably, you know, in, sort of enhances the underdog yeah. tags, really. I mean, Tottenham and Arsenal got to finals from a very similar position to Liverpool in 2006 and 2019. It's not necessarily the biggest teams in England. But uh, aside from that, not really that many teams, like you say, have got to the um, Champions League final and been severely like big underdogs. I mean, Atletico Madrid have got to two finals, but they have also won the 
they have also won La Liga in 2014. You've had sort of Bayern Munich have just won it. You've got Real Madrid, Barcelona dominating. English teams dominated for a time. Man United, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea. Germany have had um, a bit of a day in the sun with uh, Dortmund and Bayern in 2012 and 2013 as well. So, I mean, probably alongside Dortmund there, but again, Dortmund, like Porto, have a European Cup. And yeah. along in the terms of um, Jose Mourinho's best triumph, it is alongside this and his first days at Chelsea and then Inter Milan, where he won the treble in his second True. season. Yeah, yeah. And I put a poll out to our followers on Twitter who has the best Champions League record, Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola. And Jose Mourinho won 67% of the vote. And to to be fair, it's only hairs splitting them, really. They've both yeah, won it yeah, twice. Mourinho in 2004 and 2010 with Porto and then into Milan. Pep won it either side of that second uh, Mourinho win in 2009-2011 for Barcelona, both times against Manchester United. And they've both got, they're both into a handful, roughly, of semi-final exits each. Chelsea have had, uh, Chelsea, Mourinho has had semi-final exits, four in a row he had with uh, Real Madrid and Chelsea, 2011 to 2014, against Barcelona, Bayern, Dortmund, Atletico. He got knocked out twice by Chelsea in the semi-finals, and obviously he wouldn't um, finish that campaign in 2008. And um, Guardiola's probably got, he's, he's on a run of quarter-final exits at the minute. Bayern, it was the semi-finals, but since he's left Barcelona, he hasn't been able to do it really. So I think that's probably where Mourinho has the edge on him. In my view, anyway, yeah. they both played each other in semi-finals and won. Mourinho beating Pep on the way to lifting the treble with Inter Milan. Obviously, that famous shithouse win at the new Camp, losing 1-0, having a man sent off and, you know, giving it that all around the new Camp and going mental. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the following season, Messi would have an absolutely storming performance in the uh, Bernabeu and score that fantastic goal on the way to uh, winning yet another European Cup. Obviously, might be his uh, second to last, obviously, with the 2015 triumph. So I think for me, Mourinho, but also shades I think he's done tough. it. I mean, he's done it in more than one club as well. So yeah, but I think now, I mean, you look and you think, well, is Mourinho going on a slightly different route? Some people are arguing that he is now with Spurs, obviously, not an obvious top four team at the moment in England. So as a manager, is he going to change and kind of go? And you look at the players he's signed so far this season, like Doherty, but not world-class stars yet, got potential to be so, no doubt. So, I mean, give it a few years, and might be saying Pep because he's not going out of the Champions League anytime soon. Mourinho, obviously, I mean, you might smash Europa League and then smash the Champions League with Spurs, but I doubt that. So at the moment, I'd say Mourinho just, but I think it's could change in the next couple of years, definitely. Well, Mourinho has got... depends where Messi ends up as well, but <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> different to it. If he goes to Man City, which has been reported, obviously this goes out, we're recording this a, yeah. a week, a week or two after he um, sent that um, letter to Barcelona saying Facts. he wants to leave. Yeah, um, apparently Man City have set out a three-year, three-four-year plan with him, signed for £623 million. Yeah. Be there for three years and then move on to New York City, their affiliate in the MLS. So, 
I don't, I don't see... I do think that's where he'll make an impact in the Champions League. I don't think... Mm. He'll obviously make some impact in the Premier League, but he would I mean, the Champions League, he knows inside out. Um, oh, yeah. Much more than the Premier League will be much more of a shock than Champions League to him, so... If Pep doesn't get Messi, I can see him leaving next year because I think this is probably the longest he's had at a club now if he completes yeah. this season, 2020-21 season. Um, Mourinho hasn't got to the semi-finals in, since 2014. Guardiola hasn't got to the semi-finals since he was at Bayern. So I think that was 2015, or 2016, sorry. True. Um, so they're both in a bit of a lean period. Neither, neither men have won it for now eight years, will be nine years by the uh, end of this season. So are they both I mean, it's finished? Mad, that Man City. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> mad that Man City are going to be in a Champions League final. Well, it might be in a Champions League final, but haven't been so far, especially with Pep, who, you know, has won it enough times to, to not even been to a, He's not even been to a final since 2011. So he's always well, falling yeah. at the semis or the quarters. Yeah, well, there you go. There's some people there, say, well, people say he overthinks. And some yeah, obviously he plays the exact opposite of football to uh, Mourinho allegedly. Yeah, uh, playing ultra attacking, you know, fluid, interchangeable, you know, Cruyff style. Whereas Mourinho is a lot more stoic. And obviously, it just goes to show that you can play different types of football and still definitely, yeah, you know, come out. Does top. That, I mean, is tick attacker dead? We not realised it, but it's actually dead. Well, like Barcelona got, Champions League wins there a long time ago now from the Pep. Yeah. So and you're Spain as football, well. It's I don't know what you'd call it. Is there's you're probably better off at this stuff, but it's not gag and pressing. Better gag and pressing. Just Come yeah, on. just more yeah, everything now in it, but more power. So yeah, I'm I think saying, it is yeah, moved to more aggressive pressing sort of um, yeah sort of style anyway. We'll uh, move on from the football and I've got a teaser for you after this. So before we leave the comfortable inertia of the footballing world, we're going to bring you a 2000s trivial teaser. So our teaser last week, our man was a forward. His managers were Felix Magat and Pep Guardiola. His teammates had been Hitzelsberger, De Jagger, Shakiri, Tony Cruz. Fernando Torres. And the answer, of course, you said Mario. You're half right. Mario Mandzukic. Yeah. I didn't know you meant half right like that, actually. But yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> Just the wrong Mario. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. So this week, we've got you a central midfielder. He's been managed by Sir Alex Ferguson and Martin O'Neill. And I think you're going to get this one. Um, he's played alongside Jeremy Toulalon, Ashley Young, Cristiano Ronaldo, Milan Barros and the mighty, mighty Kyle Lafferty. Do you have a clue who that is? I actually don't. What are you saying? No, oh, I really? That I should know it. I thought um, you'd up the, the difficulty massively. It is. The diff- it, is, it is a lot more difficult, but I've, I've, I'd have thought that you'd have got it. And I'll give you another clue. I've had the privilege of score, of watching this man score a goal in the flesh. That's going to mean nothing to nobody, but there's another clue. Yeah, well, it's Fergie there, so, you know, it could be a whole number of players. Yeah. He's well, definitely United fan. I mean, the thing for me United, is I've not yeah. gone down. I've not, I'll say this to the listeners, I've not studied the French Avenue probably well enough yet. 
Oh. So, I mean, I, look, I looked at two Alon's clubs, reminded myself, but nothing seemed to really click. I'd say, look, look at French players. And then, yeah, don't forget that Kyle Laffer is Northern Irish, so Martin O'Neill and Kyle Laffer won at the same time. Um, yeah. So I did that for a little bit as well. So, yeah. French French players are French-speaking players. And if you know the answer, please leave it in the comments section and the answer will be revealed at the same time next week. After this, we're going to be looking at our final away day. Yeah, so we're already at the end of our little away days mini-series that we've done for the last few weeks. So, And now we're just waiting to see what clubs will let Jake, like me, Jake and our friend Harry, in next season. Hopefully there's some. I think there'll be some. I'm feeling optimistic. But anyway, let's talk about Blackburn Rovers. And for me, what could have been the best away day we'd had. So the setup is train from Bradford, pick up Jake and, Hal- and Harry in Halifax, straight through to Blackburn. Bam, nice. Weird cockney, weird cockney pipsqueak on the train who must disappoint Burra. We still can't really work it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we picked a good tie, or I should say you picked a good tie in Rovers versus... In the theory, yeah. It's a former classic championship. Game. Yeah, exactly. Now a classic championship game, really. Yeah. Arguably, um, Yorkshire versus Lancashire, if you believe that <laughs> was in Yorkshire. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's bad time. Yeah. <laughs> do, a, do one of your polls on that. <laughs> where's Middlesbrough? <laughs> yeah, where's Middlesbrough? North East or Yorkshire? Yeah. North East Yorkshire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, got you. But um, for me as a town, the infrastructure was there, but it was dead, wasn't it? Like, it yeah. seemed all right. And like, it was that weird modern bit when you first came out of the station, which had a turtle baying, and it all looked all new and stuff. So we just kind of knocked about there for a bit. Went to Weatherspoons, decent Weatherspoons. It was, it was uh, open, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? It was, it was basic sort of building, wasn't it? I, Weatherspoons were all right, it's still Weatherspoons in it, so it's going to be, you know. I didn't mind the pubs, the just the town, the layout, yeah. it was just poor for me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we went to, like I say, in the town centre, because this is where it kind of changed a little bit. So I went to Weatherspoons in the town centre, and then we went to Adelphi pub, didn't we, at a station. Yeah. But then, like I'd said, so like done a little bit of research and thinking it's a bit like Ewood was what probably mile walk from the centre, maybe probably a bit more, probably yeah, probably a bit more, probably closer to two, really, maybe yeah. Um, so done a little bit of research and there's an area called Mill Hill, which is basically a road that leads down to Ewood Park. So we yeah. kind of jumped into a taxi there, didn't we? You can get a train there, which jumps to a taxi. Uh, to Mill Hill where I'd say the pubs are pretty decent and they actually had a good match day atmosphere because they're all especially that one where we were inside and we, we saw a bit of the cricket that were round in there as well wasn't it so, oh yeah, yeah out when yeah. we sat outside yeah that was probably the best one um, I liked the first pub that we got it were it were, it were a bizarre little pub that one the one we stopped in and we were watching I think we were watching Oh yeah, we were yeah. Arsenal Burnley one, I think in the in the uh, pub. That was yeah. a nice little pub. Um, the navigation in, I think that one. Is that where we loaded up the jukebox? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we did navigation in, and then Margate Arms, which had a beer garden that was good. Yeah, and then Brown Cow and White Bull can't quite split them, but they were both they were all good. And then I can't remember went, either of them. <laughs> <laughs> we went down, <laughs> went down to the game then. In pretty good spirits, I'd say. 
Yeah, yeah. But then those spirits came crashing down. <laughs> yeah, we've probably the worst game we've seen on a par with York versus Telford. I'd say I think it was dreadful. It's, it's worse than York because the expectations were higher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, that's what let it down because you had like Stuart Downing, you know, I tipped Blackburn yeah. to go up and you both took the piss out of me and they got quite, well, they, well, they got fairly close in the end. They weren't playoffs for a tiny bit, but I thought Blackburn were going to do quite well. Um, it was settled on, it were a 1-0 on a penalty, wasn't it? So, yeah. Pff, I mean, I don't think it's a match out on paper because, you know, that they could go up because they had Bradley Dack as well. Danny Graham. Stuart Downing, Danny Graham, yeah. who scored the penalty. Yeah. I mean, expecting a good game because Borough has like Ashley Fletcher, Sam Belonga, who's proven at that level. Yeah. You know, so I think there's going to be a bit of spice here, but it was proper dreadful, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, by halftime, we kind of scuttled back into the rafters with two pint cups, which at that time yeah. was probably the highlight of the game that you could get two pints. In one the game. highlight of the day, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Well, I'll be actually thinking about it and I think... Is that actually a good thing? Because I mean, you kicked off at Barnsley, right? Because the pie is too hot. Oh, those well, those pies at least were too hot yeah. to eat in fifteen minutes. But then yeah. two pints is a bit much for fifteen minutes, isn't it? So you could argue one pint's a bit too much for fifteen minutes. But when could. we're in our groove and then we've got to drink it, yeah. twenty minutes probably is probably about yeah. the right amount of time to get through a pint in a way day if you've been drinking. That is a way day farm, yeah. Yeah, in in. Two pints when we've been drinking since probably about 10, 11. It, yeah, we hit a barrier, a big barrier. And then we got the train back. I think we raided the local, what were it, Tesco, Sainsbury's. Got some nice yeah. Kansas. Morrison's, I think. Morrison's, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the, the train back were good. I mean, I, the pubs, pubs were good. Towns were, town was shit. Game was shit. Well, as, as you know now from watching these last away days, the game is always shit. Um, yeah, the facilities are probably the best, you know. Probably yeah. the ones we've been to, yeah, because it, it was yeah. a Premier League stadium up until 2012. Well, it's strange because you know, I don't know what end we were in or whatever. Opposite the dugout, or not. yeah. So we're opposite the dugouts. So we, you come in, it's quite cool actually because when you come into the ground, you're sort of on the pitch side, so you feel a yeah. bit like a manager walking to a seat. <laughs> <laughs> But no, there was just like one little shop there, one as you walked in. So at first we were like, where's like the beer and stuff? So we found it at halftime, found the two-pint cups. And to be fair, second half we spent stood on the concourse, didn't we, when you shouldn't be kind well, of we, drinking beer, watching the game, and then got told right off. Right on by the top, yeah. Barely a telling off, really. But I think by, by that point we checked out mentally anyway to leave. Yeah, the, we if... Um... Yeah, we should have definitely just chipped in after about 55 minutes for that one. Yeah. <laughs> we got talking to like a guy from Milton Keynes. Yeah, we got to talk to him, guys. We were a Liverpool fan. Um, yeah. I don't know why he were there. I don't know why we were there. <laughs> it wasn't a, yeah, it's a good it question. Were, it were a good day out, but in terms of the away day, you know, the criteria that we set ourselves, it wasn't the best. <laughs> yeah. And it was the last one we've been on because obviously yeah, the season exactly. gets cancelled halfway through when we were about to... Uh, yeah. On another one, really. Oh, well, we'd oh, have got, yeah. probably gone start of this season, really, wouldn't we? Um, but yeah. yeah. So. so, yeah, I mean, we still obviously, please let us know where we should go. I'm, I'm optimistic that we could maybe go to Blackpool because 
without being disrespectful, don't have a massive amount of fans. Um, so <laughs> there should be some tickets there. But it's going it to be end of the season. I mean, a good a good point to make is there's not going to be like well, judging by what my local club are doing, Bradford City, obviously, um, there's not beer and whatever to have. So you just walk yeah. in, sit down, watch seat. football, go go back. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. We'll do something else if not. But so obviously we're at the end now of as a little mini series. For me, I'll just say I think Barnsley probably wins. Yeah, it, it just agreement. felt like the best day. The, the game was probably the best. It wasn't amazing, but it was probably the best of the bunch. But to be fair, we're seeing a good omen because we've only had one home team lose that we've gone to see, which was York. But so. No, they won. Oh, there you go. Four out of four. <laughs> Three wins and a draw. I, I we've got. Drew, yeah. So yeah, basically, if you don't want your team to lose, tell us where to go. And we'll tell us where to go and we'll let uh, if- Want us to come to a uh, playoff final or a cup final, a Champions League final? Invite yeah, them. yeah. Send us some money first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be one. <laughs> yeah. And that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you for watching. Next week's podcast, I'll be bringing you a rundown on Ipswich Town in the Premier League in the 2000-2001 season, as it is 20 years ago to the day since their 1-1 draw against Arsenal. Uh, what are you going to be looking at for us next week? So I'm going to look at Federico Makeda's monumental debut for Man United. And the company Martin Tyler orgasm commentary at yeah. Old Trafford as usual. And we'll find out the answer to the O'Neill CR7 teaser, new teaser. We've got some more musings from Alex and coming up elsewhere on the channel. Tomorrow's throwback is 70s Ajax, Friday's 5 side is Arsenal. Our what-ifs this week are on Aston Villa and Rafael Benitez. Tier Tuesday is looking at the best wingers of the previous decade, the 2010s. I'm at whatif underscore YouTube. You're at Alex J. Rhodes. Suggest us some away days and we'll be in your town soon, hopefully. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.